Okay, a couple of things before I get into this next part of orientation, which is going to be about civil law. Uh, what I'm... Yes, sorry. Contract and statutory interpretation is what this next section is going to be about. Uh, a couple of things that I've noticed from doing my orientation is I understand it well in my head, but I'm not very good at verbalizing it. So I hope that uh, over time, I will become better at verbalizing what I am learning. Uh, it'll save me time. It'll make more sense to me. It'll make more sense to you. And ultimately, will result in, I, I think, a larger understanding. Uh, again, with that, it, it, it'll also... I think it's a big deal that it'll save me time because I don't want things to be long so that I can actually learn. So I need to find a way to uh, figure out which points I really think are important before going uh, too in-depth about what the case is. Okay, so for orientation, we're talking about contract and statutory interpretation. Uh, to do so, we're going to be focusing on White City Shopping Center versus PR restaurants, and we're going to focus on Holy Trinity Church v. the United States. So statutory interpretation is different than common law because the courts will still look uh, towards statutes for a ruling analysis instead of previous court cases. Uh, there are still complexities to determine. Uh, the first thing is that the statute is text. It's not binary, meaning there are variations that you could use to interpret a statute. And that's what these cases are really going to be uh, showing, that there are two ways to work through this. Uh, first is the plain meaning rule, and uh, that just means we're looking at the text, we're looking at the plain meaning, and that's how we're going to decide this case. Uh, the second is and that you're going to be focusing on legislative history, notes, and uh, such to figure out which cases is right. And uh, and at the end of this, I'm going to be talking just a little bit about what I think is right as far as what rule we should be using in interpreting statutory law. So White City Shopping Center versus PR Restaurants, LLC. Uh, so for this, uh, this background, uh, PR Restaurants, is uh, own several Panera chain locations, and they operate in a place called White City Shopping Center. Uh, they, uh, in the lease agreement, they underwent several revisions, but it ultimately, in, in an exclusivity clause, uh, it stated that companies that had 10% revenue from sandwiches could not enter the space. However, sandwiches wasn't properly defined by either party, and so Chair 5, which sells primarily tacos and uh, quesadillas, they leased another space in the White City Shopping Center and PR so that this qualified as a sandwich. And consequently, the conflict came before the court. Okay, so what was the holding? Well, uh, White City, at first, let's uh, see what each wanted. So White City wanted an injunction against... Um, sorry, a White City wanted a motion saying uh, that the they were not in violation of the agreement. And PR wanted an injunction saying you will stop building uh, 
and a, uh, preparing the space for chair five to come into the place. The holding was in favor of White City, uh, with saying that they weren't in violation of the agreement, and uh, PR was denied their injunction. Okay, so their analysis. Well, what did they look to? Uh, first, they wanted. Th- there was a rule that they had to follow. First, they needed to establish the likelihood of success on the merits of the claim, and to do so, they needed to define what a sandwich was. Since there was no definition of a sandwich, this is the important part. They used the plain meaning of what the sandwich is. So they used the dictionary to define sandwich, which is two pieces of bread with uh, some substance filled between them. Uh, two thin pieces of bread, I should say. It's also important to note that the common definition does not include tacos or things that Chair 5 primarily uh, builds in their restaurant. So secondly, there's no way of qualifying financial irreparable harm uh, from allowing Chair 5 from operating. In, in other words, we don't know what how Chair 5 will influence Panera cells. Uh, and consequently, there can be no evidence of financial harm. And so Panera or PR did not meet any of those qualifications and so their injunction was denied so we use the plain meaning text in that case in this case holy trinity church v united states uh, i'll go over both the trial court and the supreme court just to give an idea of what happened so a background congress enacted a law that was designed to minimize legal uh well immigration uh by contracts of labor uh, to discourage cheap labor, which would help strengthen the economy. So with this, uh, there was a, a time in American history where um, it, it's basically the same reason why a lot of companies build overseas is because it's cheap. And so a lot of companies would pay for uh, immigrants to move to the United States so that they could employ them at cheap and devalue the wages of other people. Uh, of American citizens. And so Congress enacted a law that was designed to penalize any company that was found to pay for the immigration of um, an alien to come to the United States and it, so that they could minimize this risk. And so in this case, Holy Trinity Church employed a pastor who came over and then Holy Trinity Church was thus fined um, because they were found in violation of the statute that had been created. Okay, so the uh, circuit court looked at the text, and their analysis was it held that, yes, this is a violation of the statute, and the fine should continue to be imposed. Uh, they looked at it, the meaning of the law, they looked at the title of the law, the text of the law, and... They argued that this um, violated the letter of the law to have him come over and uh, have his immigration expenses covered by the Holy Trinity Church. So the Supreme Court reversed that holding and remanded it to the lower court. The analysis that the Supreme Court used says that although this case followed the letter of the law, it was not altogether in the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law was to 
minimize contract labor uh, for uh, to that uh, contract manual labor I should say uh, to devalue the labor of others and a professional um, intellectual um, professions of the brain did not minimize uh, this labor uh, and especially in the circumstance of working in a ministry. So in this, for the Supreme Court, the court looked at the letter of the law, uh, but they said that there was room for common sense. And for example, they referenced the letter of the law would consider it a felony if a prisoner were to break out of prison, but not a felony if you were to break out of prison for fleeing a fire. There are a couple other examples used as well, but those were the biggest ones. And so... In other words, it, the takeaway from this is uh, Holy Trinity Church used the letter of the law in the uh, used the plain meaning text and for in the circuit court and for the Supreme Court, uh, they used the plain meaning text, but they focused on the legislative history and the intent of the law uh, rather than just focusing solely on the letter of the law. Uh, so, from these two uh, cases, my opinion is that we should, it, it's important to focus on the letter of the law. I can see why there is room for exceptions to the letter of the law. I kind of have a hard time seeing the, seeing why you should have exceptions to the letter of the law because I, I, I don't know how difficult it would be to write exceptions in meaning you have this rule and then you write in an exception I don't know I, I kind of have an issue with varying from the statute because then it would almost seem as if the courts write the law instead of the legislature I, that's the issue that I have with it but I think there is room to argue that yes these common sense principles I think it's all about finding a balance and we haven't found that balance yet so that's everything uh, from this uh, study session thank you for listening to this episode of the law schoolers before I let you go there are four things I want to say the first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.